welcome to the Philosopher, Monk, and Mystic podcast, where we reflect on wisdom for modern life from ancient philosophy and spiritual traditions. Each episode is based on timeless principles and practices designed to help you live your highest good. To learn more, visit perennialleader.com. On today's episode, my guest is Marge Dolan. Marge is a friend and someone with an interesting and wise perspective of the world. In the conversation, we discuss Seneca's on the shortness of life, along with many perennial questions on living a meaningful life. I really enjoyed the conversation and hope you do as well. Please welcome the wise and gracious Marge Dolan. Ever since we first met, I've always found you to be someone that has a, a wise perspective and the ability to to see things maybe that the rest of us aren't seeing. So I'm curious to, to start the conversation. How do you see Seneca's on the shortness of, of life? Thank you, Josh. It's great to have the chance to chat with you. Um, it's interesting because I do think that there's uh, many dimensions to this, and s- when I probably first came across it, um, maybe 15 years or so ago, I was in a job transition, and I think that I read it as sort of giving you permission, in a sense, to step away or in a different direction from maybe the path that you had put yourself on, and it just sort of forced me to pause and um, think about that. Um, And the fact that this was written whenever it was written thousands of years ago is just mind-blowing. So I guess I see ultimately this as a perennial human condition um, that we're always kind of questioning, am I doing the right thing for me, however I define that? And I think the on the shortness of life is a really catchy title <laughs> um, <laughs> to say, hey, you know, pay attention. Um, and I think that as I've gotten older, um, I see it a little bit differently. The question I'm asking about it is... Um, how do I ensure that what the way I'm spending my time is the right way to spend my time now? Um, It can make me a little bit um, anxious to think of it in the literal terms that Seneca writes about where, you know, death can get you at any minute. So, you know, live now. Um, And, and to think of it in sort of the minute by minute sense is a little too, uh, mindful for me. <laughs> um, but to think of it, you know, more in the present day, as opposed to, uh, like a lot of people, you know, I, I, at the, um, I've had decades long of a career of multiple different things. And I feel like I've done a lot now. I have a lot sort of, um, in my experience bank. So I'm less motivated by um, what can I, how can I further develop and um, uh, contribute my particular um, set of abilities. And, And I'm more about, I think I've done a lot now. So that's less of a driver. Mm. Um, and I, I, it's more about how can I make sure that in whatever time I have, which no one knows how much time they have, um, I, I make sure that if something happened to me soon, I would be sort of feeling like, okay, I've done what I wanted to do. I'm, you know, my world is pretty good and where, whatever is not good, I need to pay attention to that now and get that on the right, uh, track. 
It it is such an an interesting read, and like you say, thousands of years old, but reads like some of those same topics that we're wrestling with today, especially um, COVID pandemic. I mean, it seems uh, to connect with a lot of, you know, recent articles that are coming out today about living a, a meaningful life, if you, if you will. It, it is interesting, maybe some polarities and, and paradoxes throughout it, but he kind of writes of, uh, yeah, life isn't short. It's just that we, we waste much of it. Um, and suggest the idea of, of some of the stuff that's, that's difficult. In addition to what you mentioned, the whole day by day, minute by minute, it's a challenging thing there, but, but also discerning, you know, what is the most meaningful use? What is, you know, truly most important? What is a worthwhile pursuit? I wonder, like, does that, as you mentioned, kind of decades of experience, you know, fortunate to have a a successful career. I feel that same way. But I wonder, like, is it different? What what if you were sitting down with somebody just embarking on a career? Is it, you know, I wonder if there's a difference or, you know, what, what if you and I would have come across on the shortness of life at the very start of a, of a career, how would that have shaped, you know, our, our past? Yeah. I mean, I think so much, um, of my mindset at the beginning of my career was how can I achieve, um, how can I achieve, in my field, how can I grow in my knowledge? How can I grow in my, um, you know, climbing of the ladder um, and my financial independence? How can I, uh, I was very much goal oriented and had a, you know, pretty um, clear path, but I was always trying to navigate from, from this to that, from that to this, and I was definitely very strategic in my management of my career and opportunities. Um, so, but uh, so much of that was kind of externally driven in terms of definitions of what a meaningful life is. Um, and I think I, I needed to age in my work a bit before I could recognize that, hey, I could spend my whole life with these people and would any of them come to my funeral? No. You know, that there would be, there was just sort of, you know, the the risk that you could give your all to an organization or um, a group and never really be known Uh, Mm -hmm. by them or really, you know, you were sort of plug and play uh, in some places. Um, And so I think as I got older, I got more reflective. And certainly when I felt like my opportunities were becoming limited or the situation in my work environment was not um, sustainable for me from a just a, you know, wanting to be there uh, or feeling like I wasn't able to do what I was capable of, then I usually moved into something else. So it was a, it was a catalyst for me because I had that kind of um, inner propulsion that I need to do. I need to get myself in situations where I can grow. And so for me, the growth was more career growth but I think if I were just starting out, and I think this is what we're maybe seeing in the pandemic response and the great resignation that's happening all over the place, is, is younger people in the earlier stages of their careers saying, hey, you know, I don't have to do it like my parents did it. Um, you know, I don't have to toil away and give away my time which is a big piece of what Seneca's talking about, that time is really your only 
currency and you just have no idea how much is in your bank account. Uh, but you operate like you have, you know, infinity um, as a resource of time. And that's really part of his message, I think, is that you really don't. And getting yourself to pay attention to that and to just be aware of the demands on your time and the consequences and trade-offs of how you spend your time. That to me is one of the big messages out of Seneca. It's fascinating in terms of the, um, as you mentioned, like if we apply it to this particular, like worthwhile pursuits, I could see, you know, you sit down and you, you start thinking about what's worthwhile and it may lead you to, which is something he mentions in there as well is goals. It's like, there may be a pull to start thinking, you know, what, what's meaningful, what's, what's a worthwhile pursuit. And you start mapping out the next five or 10 years, exactly, you know, what he's talking about not to do. It's like, that's not, that's in fortune's hand, you know, and that's not in ours. And that's what's, um, like, I wonder if, if Seneca would think about it, like the polarity stuff that you're familiar with of like, like it's an inhale, exhale type of thing of, of both are needed. Maybe we're thinking about goals. Maybe we're thinking about the future, but we're coming back to this moment of this back and forth. Um, you know, maybe it's a good idea to, to think about the fact that we are mortal and, you know, the next minute is, is not promised but yet we're breathing right now, or, you know, it's, uh, can be super, super challenging of how it could be interpreted when, when you read that. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's the polarity of, you know, present focused and future focused and to spend so much time aspiring and strategizing and plotting and planning and trying to get to the future that you're trying to, create for yourself um, can definitely cause you to be absent from the present. Hmm. And, you know, you, you, you know, Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle and all that, you know, song. I mean, this is a human um, vulnerability that we can get very focused on what we think are very good things, like we're driving ourselves so that we can earn more money, so that we can provide for our family, so that we can, so that, so that, so that. And then suddenly you're, you know, 60 years old and you don't know your family because you were never home. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of the stereotype. But, so I think that that absolutely is part of what Seneca's saying, that he's sort of disdaining, you know, this total focus on the future and it's not in your control. And I guess I challenge that a little bit to say that on the other hand, um, like they, uh, someone else says, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any, anywhere will go, any direction will, will work for you or something like that. Um, I do think that you have to have, it, it kind of goes to um, your own sense of how, how much influence you have over your own life. And so to put everything to fortune and say, well, fortune's going to dictate what happens to you. Um, personally, I think, yes, certainly we don't know what's going to happen. But I think um, the concept of sort of directionally correct um, is relevant for me. Like I need to have a sense of directionally where am I headed? Mm. Um, I may not be able to tell you exactly the road where it twists and turns, but I need to have some destination kind of thing in mind. Even if that is um, unconventional, you know, mm. even if that is uh, something that's not defined in conventional ways, like I want to have, you know, this, I want to live in this house or this geography, or I want to have this much in my 401k plan, <laughs> you know, um, it could, it could be, I want to have, you know, 
harmony in my life. Mm. Um, so how do I get to that? So I think having some kind of an idea of what you want the future to be helps you use the and be in the present in a way that is then meaningful to you. Mm. Um, I think to just sort of leave it open completely um, for me would be too uh, I don't know how sustainable that would be just for my own mm. wiring yeah. you know how about when you say this directionally um, is it a is it a holding it loosely a little bit in terms of maybe halfway there yes. I may yes. change uh, directions. And I think Seneca go ahead. I I think Seneca said something along the the same lines as what you said. It's like if um uh, if you don't know, you know, what port, no wind is favorable type of thing. It's uh but I I like how you're describing that as some sort of directional thing, but then there's um, you know, still the ability to to shift course when you know, at any time. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm pulling the the term from maybe business environment and you know some financial analysis, and you'd say, hey, you know, um, our our you know our third quarter results are showing a slight um, you know variance from what we budgeted, but you know um, overall we're in the right you know, we're directionally correct or, you know, th that kind of thing. Like we're, we're, we're not so far off that we're at risk. And so I think having some kind of sense, um, of what is important to you, whatever that is, seems to me an element, a necessary element of a satisfying life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think younger people starting out in their careers, they can't necessarily know what is going to be right for you, what kind of work context is going to fit for you. Um, and I think the pandemic has thrown a lot of that up in the air for people. And suddenly you're at home working remotely you know, that either was the greatest thing or the worst thing, depending on your personality and, and where you were working. And I think it, it forced people to sort of, because it was such a sh quick and radical change, forced people to really question, wow, you know, is this good for me or not good for me? And it shined a light on a lot of the most, um, you know, the weakest links in an organization's culture um, that might have been kind of just held together in the traditional operating mode, but when it was heaved into all virtual, um, those things didn't support it. Yeah. Um, and then people start saying, hey, I don't really need to do this, or hey, I can live anywhere, so why do I need to pay this high rent? I think I'll move to the other side of the country. And yeah. if this company doesn't let me do that, I'll go do it for somebody else. So it's work uh, as uh, sort of the equation of work and life getting recalibrated, maybe, which is kind of, you know, intentional. It sounds like that's, you know, p folks who are, you know, quitting may be quite um, actually, you know, reflecting Seneca's advice. Um, and I, I think you can read Seneca to say, sort of liberate you from sort of mindlessly just doing what other people are expecting you to do. Yeah. I'm a person that highly recommends a lot of books, but <laughs> I would have to put this one high up on the list, uh, of just a quick read packed with really some great questions to, to ponder as going through it. I was kind of reflecting a bit on, um, my career and thinking back and, and you think, uh, you know, of what are maybe some regrets, what are maybe, you know, some things that you would do differently. And 
maybe not an exercise to obviously you know live there for a long period of time as, as we talked about you want to stay in the in the present moment here but i think about any sort of uh, you know vacations or time off or any sort of leisure whatever that may be um don't regret a single one of them you know almost thinking back it's like i wish there was um a bit of a greater focus on not necessarily the balance thing, but, you know, taking that, that time, um, you know, how about for you and anything come up as you, you know, kind of look, look back, you know, the, the thing that jumped in my mind was I was involved, um, for a time in some transactions in Australia. And so I would make the trip to Australia and, I'd be in a conference room in an office building, you know, and then go to a hotel and I'd be in Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, one of those two places, which are great cities. And I'd go out to dinner with people and, you know, see a bit of it. And, and maybe on the weekend I would have the chance to go explore around, but I never really st stayed on, you know, um, and said, Hey, I'm going to take two weeks now of vacation and, stay here and really go around the country. So I never did that. And, and I even, you know, went there once and turned around and came back like two days later, you know, like I hadn't even really caught up biologically with where I was. <laughs> and I was like, and the flight attendants on the return flight were like, weren't you just on this flight, you know, like two days ago. So things like that, I look back and say, that was really dumb. You know, why didn't I do that? But of course, you know, you get a sense of like urgency always, in business where, um, you know, this has to happen and you got to do that and you got to be here for this. And of course that was all pre tele anything. Um, so, you know, when I was reading Seneca for this chat, I was suddenly, you know, he talks a lot about busyness and the busyness of people and keeping yourself sort of meeting all these people and, you know, socializing here and doing this with your political people and your clients and everything. And it's suddenly I realized that the word business is B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. So it goes back to um, intention and attention. You know, it's paying attention. And, and if that's what you want to do and that's meaningful to you, Absolutely, it's great, you know. Um, but if there's some disconnect with you and how you're, you know, what's what what's valuable to you at any point in your life, um, then you have to listen to that because that's what I think he's saying. He's, he's he's kind of making a presumption that most people aren't paying attention and they're just kind of blithely going through the motions of life, and oh, they're going to regret it later. Mm. Um, because that's what a lot of people do. Um, but I don't think, so I think he's done a service in writing that down. It is, it is just shocking that it's thousands of years <laughs> old. Yeah. It's almost like a universal human bias that we're all kind of, uh, wired with. And he writes quite a bit about distraction. And I was thinking, you know, 2000 years ago, there's no phones, there's no TV, there's no telephones at at all and there's so much of this busyness and distraction um yeah and the partying and you know the the uh drinking and part you know rowdiness and all that stuff like just sounds like a big fraternity um <laughs> going on there and and the human need to be engaged. I guess maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no technology. So why? But yet, you know, um, Caesar's exhausted, you know, <laughs> <laughs> deciding to send the armies out to yet another place. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing to kind of contemplate what their daily life would have been like. Yeah. 
I'm a I'm a fan of Theodore Roosevelt and reading this I, I had this um quote kind of running in the in the back of my mind a little bit of uh around you know we, we must either wear out or rust out like he says my choice is to to wear out so you would think maybe you know and and maybe there's a tendency in terms of like the western mind to maybe think differently than other parts of the world but you know you think about that to wear out to really you know, invest yourself in things. And then I was thinking a little bit about his life of, you know, he spent quite a bit of time in nature, looking at birds, you know, um, later in life and, and quite a few times throughout it, like these adventures, you know, he goes and explores the river of doubt in the Amazon. So it's like, initially, when you just think of this thing as wear out, I first think of work. I think of, you know, investing myself in some sort of, you know, that being a worthwhile pursuit. But really, that's probably, if we look at his life, that's not what he meant. He meant in adventures. And he kind of, I think he said something along the time, the lines of uh, the uh, the Amazon, the river of doubt of, of that was his, you know, time to, to be a kid again. You know, it was, it was, he was having fun. Yeah, so wear out to him, because certainly the image of him that, that I have is like this intensity and almost frenetic kind of uh, presence. Um, so in someone in motion. And so for him, maybe wear out was, I'm not ever going to stop being you know, purposeful in what I, how I spend my time. Um, because he was doing whatever he wanted to do, but he was doing it in that level of, you know, like red zone, you know, <laughs> yeah, activity, um, which for him was, you know, what maybe made him happy. Um, but, you know, it's hard to associate that with bird watching, although... For him, maybe there was a competitive element of that. Like, could he see however many birds? Um, so I think the the rust out would be kind of tying back to Seneca's mindless kind of just pursuit of occupation. Um, and Roosevelt always seemed like he had an idea of what he was what he wanted to do, and he went and did it. He was an actor um, in motion. And did many different things, um, you know, in terms of work with, like, museums or writing books and, and things like that. I, I I tend to think about it now, this uh, rust out. It, yeah, maybe that rust out is the the path of, of sticking with that that job that is not fulfilling even though maybe you're working 50, 60 hours a week and in your mind you're thinking wear out, but maybe like some of these things, it's kind of counterintuitive. Maybe that's a, a bit of the rust out and you, and it's difficult to see in the moment and before you know it, a decade has passed and you've uh, dedicated just thousands of hours to something that, um, and I guess it's a bit, obviously it's, it's a privilege to, to think about that. And there are, you know, many people that maybe don't have, have the, the choices to make up, make a lot of changes and things like that. But, um, I don't know. What, what, what do you, th what do you think of that in terms of rust out? Yeah, I think, I think you're making a really good point that rust is like a corrosion and I think you can be in a work environment that is um, corrosive and recognizing that and not accepting it is a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, um, they perceive their options as very limited 
to get out of corrosive. This may be, you know, the pinnacle job you ever wanted and you can't step away because you're never going to make this kind of money again. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you, you know, you might be old in an older age bracket and who's going to hire you, you know, or, or who knows, you know, there aren't any other places in this town for me to do this kind of work. I'd have to move my family. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons people tell themselves to stick it out. Um, but then they are making a choice of how they spend their time mm -hmm. and every time I try to rationalize my own situation into or every time I, I let my work become a paycheck I knew it was like time to go mm -hmm. um, because it was just not a sustainable situation in the short term you can say hey, I can tough it out it's you know paying my bills or whatever but in the long term, I mean, you go back to what Seneca said, life is short. You know, life is long if you don't waste it. And are, and are you wasting it if you're really unhappy in what you're doing? Um, seems like a loss, not just for you, but for everyone around you. Because when you're not happy doing what you're doing, it shows. Um, I think it's super interesting what you're talking about around you identify you're in this situation, you recognize it, you, you identify it. Um, and Seneca talks about fear or like ordinary mortals fearing everything. Um, and like immortals coveting everything with our desires. But how do you, how do you think about fear? Like when you look back and you think about some of these situations, sometimes it takes quite a bit of courage to, identify it and then make a step or make some sort of change or absolutely um it's the uncertainty um that that can really stymie you um and i guess ultimately it's it's having a sense of your own worth um, and being strong enough to push through that uncertainty and take another chance. Mm. Um, it's a great phrase I heard from a, a young nine-year-old whose parents were relocating just because they decided they needed to make a change and they sold every everything in their house they sold and they moved and the nine-year-old's response when they were telling him he said sometimes you just have to pick up the dice and roll again <laughs> I and love I just it. stuck that stuck with me because it was like wow you know that's true sometimes that is what you need to do and whatever it takes for you to kind of get the courage get to the place in your own sense of i can do this and even if this isn't perfect the next thing there's be something after that mm. um i think that can be liberating but you know it's really hard for people to change to initiate their own change i think um I always preferred to initiate my change than to be changed upon. <laughs> so <laughs> I always got involved in, you know, organizational redesigns and things so that I could have a sense of, you know, influencing how it was all going to go. And it was less of like the big reveal. And now you're going to be sitting over here and you're going to be doing that and, we, out, you know, moving this work elsewhere or whatever. Um, so for me, I just always... Um, and that may be part of the polarity of, you know, present focus, future focused, um, because I would be thinking ahead, like, how does this need to work and what do I need to be doing and, and trying to influence how the future was going to unfold and probably, you know, sometimes to the extreme of, or at the cost of, am I really paying attention to what I'm doing now? Yeah. I love the, the roll the dice. Uh, <laughs> It makes me think sometimes if I, um, 
think about my own life and and also others maybe we recognize when we're in those situations more than we realize but as seneca writes you know in terms of a you you put you look into the future and you say well when this happens or when i turn this age then i'll transition and you know and seneca asks like what you know what guarantee do you have that you know that time isn't guaranteed that you know 2 years from now then it's going to uh you know change or you you think about obviously uh you know i guess many people think in terms of retirement like yes when i'm this age and you, you know you see so many people that they retire and you know within a within a year they're no longer no longer around or you know the other way even not even making it to that it's just not guaranteed um there uh sam harris the from the making sense podcast he like recently re- released an episode it's the uh paradox of death or something like that but he, he put out a poll he said in it on on twitter how much uh, or how often do you think about your mortality and he had different choices and things like that and it was um you know he said something like 40 50,000 people responded you know obviously who knows how accurate but the largest percentage was in that um category of of not thinking about it often um and it, it can be a uh i i tend to get a little too excited about think about it i think it's a powerful exercise but um but maybe not for everybody like how do you see that whole you know remembering our mortality is that something that fuels you and maybe shapes uh decisions for you well so i i am gonna be 64 next on halloween um so i would say i think about it more now um, and I have recently retired in whatever that means, uh, sense shifting directions to something less, um, commercial, I guess. Um, and I think it's, it's expected and understandable that we wouldn't be thinking a lot about death when we're young unless you've been affected by a sudden loss of a someone close to you um it you can kind of just have that sense of immortality that hey i've got a long you know i can't even see the other side of you know 40 you know um so i'm not going to worry about that and i'm too caught up in what i'm doing but certainly as you start to you know move through time and and you know lose your parents um that's a big deal um and all of the change that you can see you know if you have someone that you know dies suddenly that was a peer of yours for whatever you know accident or whatever that those things definitely jolt you into an awareness but how long does that awareness stick um it's it's an uncomfortable place for a lot of people to sit with um the thought of their death um it's not nearly as much fun as thinking about life uh, for most people you know because life is possibilities and death is finality um but in thinking about death now you can kind of pay more attention to things like that are important to you to make sure um, that whatever you leave behind as your mark in the world is consistent with what you would want it to be Mm. and to the extent you can influence that um again it comes back to intention and being intentional being aware and 
having the time to um, to pay more attention. I think you know if if you're in the height of your career and you've got demands on you, you can barely breathe, and you're going from one call to the next call to the meeting to the meeting, you're traveling and you're you know you're managing your family and all of these other things. It's it's like probably not much time for you other than, you know, you're in the shower or something to have a thought uh, that's not in response to somebody else's handout. And Seneca talks a bit about that too. Um, Yeah. But it goes to, you know, sort of those thoughts are really important to have. Maybe you don't have them every day, but you do kind of have to dig in there from time to time. Um, And for some people, you know, that's one of the benefits of a regular... Uh, church attendance maybe because it you know is a forced pause and whether you're listening or you're not listening to whatever's being said to you from the altar um, you have that moment of reflection that would be otherwise not feasible Um, but I think fewer people it seems are being drawn to those kinds of settings um, from younger cohorts and so how do they kind of create that space? I think there's a lot of searching for um, guidelines and guidance to help people um, think through the impact of those questions. Mm. The um, More recently, it pops up around the, the polarity thing with it. Like I, there's a popular Marcus Aurelius quote of like, you could leave life right now. Um, and there's memento mori coins of reminders of, uh, of our mortality. And I, I was always thinking there needs to be one that has the other side of the coin of like his other quote of when you wake up in the morning, you know, remind yourself of this precious privilege, you know, the, to breathe and, and everything. It's like, can there be that point of, you know, kind of deep gratefulness for this breath? I mean, isn't, uh, you know, I wonder, isn't that what a bit of the foundation for the gratitude of, of, of this moment? Cause it's not, it's not guaranteed. Like I, you know, I, I wonder that in terms of, uh, you know, you think of gratitude practices and you can, you know, pick up a, a gratitude journal, which may not have much about memento mori and, and things like that in it rightfully. So it's maybe not for everybody, but I do think that is a bit of a path to, if you can, if you can go back and forth to a bit of deeper gratitude, for the for the moment, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, e- you know, even if you're not in a great situation, to be able to start your day with a a quick awareness and reflection of gratitude is that's like the one moment at the beginning of your day before you really open your eyes that you have complete control over <laughs> over yourself um, and I think that is very sustaining and a source of strength um, to, to fuel you through whatever the day brings um, which like you know we know it's so much out of your control and things you know drop into your day that you have no preparation for and that you have to respond to um, but to st- at least at the beginning of the day or maybe at the end of the day and this this is sort of you know in a lot of different traditions like the um, the examine from Ignatius um, to really have that bit of reflection and um, and that also moment of gratitude um, I think it is a um, a practice that can really uh, provide some grounding for people. It does for me. Yeah. 
I love this idea of connection. I, I was thinking in terms of seeing clearly around the mortality and, and what's happening, but but really a, a much better way to think about it is connecting with what's going on in reality. And maybe as a way to to wrap up, our, our time has flown by super quick here, but you mentioned something in the beginning, which I, I find really interesting of uh, being known, talking about maybe in a work setting or group setting of of being known. Um, what, what do you mean there? Is that something around connecting and how do you think about that in terms of a, a meaningful life? Yeah, I guess, you know, being known for me um, meant have somebody know me and not just me as, you know, the lawyer signing the opinion, but to know something about me as the person. Um, and it's pretty, pretty easy to go through your work life without sharing anything important. Um, and to keep yourself just sort of in the work space. But I think what I see today is organizations recognizing that when people can't can, can't bring their full self to work, they don't bring their full talent to work either. Mm. And there's a loss there. And so, however, it's kind of, you know, meandered its way into the kind of corporate consciousness, I think there is a, a recognition that's grown that says we need to make it easier for people to connect as human beings in the work environment, whatever that means. And certainly some people are more naturally gifted in doing that, and those people often can be phenomenal leaders and create extraordinary uh, effective work environments. But they're kind of not a dime a dozen. Those are extraordinary people and most people struggle, I think, to you know, navigate all that personal, the personal um, uh, and public personas of, of everybody that they're dealing with. Being known seems like um, a challenging thing. When, when I think about that myself, of like being known, even just knowing yourself is a, is a challenge. Uh, I, I think even not just a, a work setting, but any sort of relationship, whether it's a, a spouse, a family member, of, of being known, do I know this person or do I really, it can be a, a challenge. And what do you think in terms of um, knowing yourself? Work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I feel too. Yeah, I mean. But maybe it's... to come back to the shortness of life, like how can maybe any thoughts around that helping us to, to know ourselves? Well, I guess it goes back to how can you really know what's important to you um, without asking the question of, of who am I? Um, mm. So I think it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's not that you're, you know, you show up and, and you're fully formed and you are to be kind of, you know, chipped away at like a big block of marble to find out who you are. I think we are all, you know, growing and evolving every day with however, you know, we're, however and wherever life takes us and we take life. Um, I, I think, you know, 
what I relate back to Seneca is like pay attention, mm-hmm. um, be mindful, um, kind of know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And even if it's, you know, I'm doing this for this, this time period because it's the right thing for me to do right now, but in the longer term, it's, I know it's not, so I'm going to make a change, but it's not right now. Um, that mindfulness and is totally good. You know, you're knowing what's important to you and you're making a judgment on that. I guess I take that as like, you're driving your own bus here and just, you know, keep your hands on the wheel. Um, mm. and, and just make sure, you know, the people that you want around you are around you and that you get to where you want to go, um, by, by actively engaging kind of in the Teddy Roosevelt way, what, in whatever that is, whether that's in professional work or creative work or inner work, um, you know, it's up to you to pick what that is and uh, you can always kind of um, try it for a while and if it's not working for you try something else um, so we're, co- we're continually continuously uh, becoming better it's my hope mm. I love it and that's a great way to wrap it up um, that was a lot of fun I'm glad that was a lot of fun yeah, I'm grateful that you took the time to connect. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too, Josh. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If you're interested in learning more, every Monday we share a short reflection with three timeless ideas to help you start your week with wisdom. You can subscribe at perennialleader.com. Until next time, be wise and be well. Be well.